In the next six weeks, we're going to be going through this series called Not a Fan. Today's message in this Not a Fan series is simply fan or follower. Are we a fan or are we a follower? Now, in the next six weeks, I really believe if we come and we open our hearts to receive, it's going to shake your world a little bit. Some of us that have had the privilege or the punishment of going through this in the last number of weeks, um, have experienced what the Holy Spirit really can do when it starts to convict us of things in our lives and, and begins to show us their areas of our lives and show us those ways that maybe we've been deceived and even deceived ourselves. Um, I believe it will shake your world, you know, and, and we're going to go through this with no apologies to see what the Word of God says looking at tough questions and seeing what the answers are according to the Word of God. Not according to our own thinking or wishful thinking or, or to what the world might have said or the humanistic culture has told us. So basically what I'm hoping and what we're hoping as leaders, it's like through the messages and through the life groups, um, you're having a heart-to-heart conversation with God. Because it's really all about you and the Lord. About you and the Lord. No one else. It's not about your neighbors. It's not about your friends. Not even about your spouse or your children. It's about you and the Lord. You know, sometimes it's really easy to let our eyes wander onto someone else and all of a sudden the enemy starts pointing out all the flaws in their lifestyle. All the flaws in their character. Um, That would be a real trap for us to fall into of the enemy. Because it will instantly bring an attitude and a spirit of division and a spirit of strife. It's not about what what God's going to do in someone else's life. It's about what's he going to do in my life? What's he going to show me in my heart? We're all in different places. So we want to look at our relationship with the Lord. I want to start by sharing a little bit. Every time I talk about me and my wife, I I, I get on thin ice. (laughs) If she doesn't rebuke me here, she does it at home. We met on a blind date. Did you know that? We met on a blind date. She was a relatively new teacher in Slayton, and I had quit teaching up in Breckenridge and Wapaton area, and I had come home and was part of the farm, family farm. And, and uh, uh, my, my sister-in-law taught down in Slayton, and she says, there's this girl. You know, single teachers come to small town, man, oh, man. Us country boys are like magnets. And I said, sure, I would love to meet this gal. What's she look like? I hadn't seen her. I could seen her. I think I had seen her from behind. I went to a ball game or something. They said, oh, there she goes. So I knew she had dark hair. So I knocked on the door when I was supposed to go pick her up. She lived with two other single teachers. So there was three gals on the, the, the main floor, and I had two guys, as I found up, lived up in the upstairs apartment. I didn't like that much. I knock on the door, and here comes this young girl, I don't know, 11 or 12 years old, something like that, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, what a, what, is this the right place? Well, it turned out they were in the big sister program, so this was her little sister, and then I step in the door, and there stand three single teachers looking at me as I'm looking at them. And they're all thinking in their mind, which one of us is stuck with this loser? And I'm thinking, this isn't that much fun, blind dates. 
Well, as it turned out, it was Cindy. And we went out and we went to Marshall, went to, to, a, to a movie. And the first date, there were a few things that I thought, oh my, I'm not so sure about this. And we'll leave those alone. <laughs> and then after, I don't know, it was just a few weeks, you know, I'm thinking, this is, yeah, I think this could be good. And she, she calls and invites me to come down to their house. They're going to have a big, uh, a big party to watch the Vikings play football. And I'm thinking, awesome. I get to go see the girl and the Vikings and whatever else happens. Well, I went down to Slayton and I go to the house and there's a bunch of people and, and everybody's watching some football. And I think most of the time we were out in the yard throwing a football around. And I think she said two words to me the whole time I was there. So, Hi and goodbye. So I go home and I'm thinking, okay, maybe that wasn't going to work out. After all, and we did date a couple more times, and then uh, young people. How many, how many of you know what a Sadie Hawkins dance is? How many haven't got a clue what that is? Yeah, see the age divide right there? The Sadie Hawkins dance was the only dance I ever took, had a date for, because the girls had to ask you, all right? So the university, Southwest, had a Sadie Hawkins Day dance, and a gal from the university asked if I would go to the Sadie Hawkins Day dance with her. And it was kind of cool because she was actually a basketball player at the Southwest basketball team, and she was from the town right next to Cindy's hometown down in Iowa. So she even had heard of this person. God works in mysterious ways. So being the kind and conscientious and ever... (laughs) ever thoughtful man that I am, I called her up, Cindy. And I said, Cindy, there's this girl I've never met before, but she called and asked me to go to the Sadie Hawkins Day dance at uh, Southwest. And she says, sure. And I go, bummer. Play that next video clip, just a quick one. Pretend I'm the little guy standing there looking all deary-eyed. DTR. Some of you will recognize what those letters stand for. If you're not sure, let me help you out. If you are a young man in a relationship with a young woman, then uh, I remember this uh, day I went on in high school on the very first date. The girls tried to have the DTR talk with me. First date, DTR. I got out of the PDQ. <laughs> Well, when Cindy said, sure, go ahead and go out with this girl, I thought, we need a DTR talk. We didn't actually sit down and have one of those, but Cindy had a revelation from God, (laughs) even though neither one of us were saved. She says, what if he likes this girl better than me? Well, as it turned out, I didn't, and we continued to date, and in six months we were engaged, and six months later we were married, and that was almost 31 years ago. And she's still putting up with me. 31 years. Do we have to subtract those first three before I got saved? Yeah, they weren't that good, were they? The DTR talk. Define the relationship. Now, I get the fact that some of us in this room 
aren't even sure what a define the relationship talk with Jesus would be like. It's, some of you may feel like you're still on that blind date, like I was. Or some of you may think you just started dating and you're not ready to go there to define the relationship with Jesus. So I realize some of us in here, are, we're all at different places, and some of us are really new at this whole experience thing with the Lord. So I understand that, and for those of you, that, that if that's you, I, I would just ask you to, to just sit and listen and, and see what you think. And I encourage all of us as we go through this, this is going to be a six-week process. Be careful to jump to conclusions. One of the things I've discovered, even as we've read the book and the leaders have been looking at the videos, it's easy to hear things or read things and, and come up to it with a conclusion that isn't there, really. We're receiving it through our mind that... Uh, it has a lot of issues sometimes. So just take some time, listen, see what happens. For the rest of us, most of us in here, I believe, really are at a place where defining the relationship, that DTR talk with Jesus would be a good idea. It's time to discover really where we stand with Jesus. I want to start with a scripture in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. This would be an invitation from the Lord for all of us. All of us. And we will spend some time on this verse in the weeks coming. But today, for now, I just want to look at it and say, Then Jesus said to them, If anyone, anyone, would come after me, he must, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Boy, there's a lot of good news in there and there's a little bit of news that's challenging. Anyone, that's you, that's me, that's, it doesn't matter who we were, what our names are, what our family heritage is, how much money we make or don't make, it doesn't matter what we've done in the past, it doesn't matter. He says, if anyone. That's the good news. But then he says, you must deny yourself, follow me, come after me. So the question right away begs to be asked is, are we ready to go into a deeper level of relationship, a deeper level of commitment? Hopefully, many of us here are are past that place where we're we're satisfied with the casual. We're we're not satisfied anymore with with just the convenient. We're we're ready to move on and and looking to, to something that's a little bit more devoted, a little bit more committed than we've maybe been before. Really, what I'm saying is we're ready for that talk. Some of you aren't ready. Um, you kind of like the setup that you already got between you and God. Anybody know you, you kind of negotiate a setup with God? You know how you kind of define the relationship the way we think it should be instead of the way the Word says it should be? You know, some of us in here have decided, well, Jesus must be a pretty good guy. I mean, seems like a nice enough guy. Um, I kind of am getting used to the church. It was pretty weird at first, but I kind of like the church now. I really especially like the soft chairs. Kind of like the music. That's kind of okay. It's a little loud once in a while, but I kind of like it. And you kind of just kind of gotten used to things, and you, you, you like the coffee, you know, you like the fellowship, you like those things, but you're not so sure about this deeper relationship thing. You've, you've kind of created what you want it to be. 
the idea of me standing up here and encouraging us to open our hearts to say, Lord, we maybe want a deeper walk with you. We want a more committed relationship with you. It's time for move, to move in and to move on. Some of you are going, oh boy, I'm not sure I like that. Matter of fact, one of the things that we've been praying about as leaders is we know that the, the fight or flight thing could easily get in here. I don't like it. We're leaving. We're out of here. We're going to, to go somewhere else. There's got to be comfortable chairs and good music somewhere else. Flight or fight. Commitment. This would be a good time for a commercial. Commitment. Sometimes the Lord asks us to do things or prophesize things that we're not used to hearing. What do we do when we know we're supposed to respond in a certain way? You know, in our relationship with me and Cindy there, it was kind of like, I don't know where this thing's going at first. Didn't really care. And all of a sudden, she's telling me to go out with some other girl. I didn't really like that much. Two guys lived above them in the apartment right above them, and they were both single. I really didn't like that much. And it was just a stairway between the two stories. I didn't like that much at all. But we decided there was something more we wanted. And I believe that's where a lot of us really are. We want more. We don't want to define it. So the question is, are you a fan or follower of Jesus? You've been hearing that now for a few weeks. You've probably seen a few of the bracelets that some people are wearing that says, not a fan. That would give us a hint that we should be a follower, right? Not a fan, a follower. First thing I need to do is define a fan the way that we're looking at it. Simple definition. A fan is an enthusiastic admirer. And some of us are really good fans. Really enthusiastic admirers. Now, if you're a sports fan at all, you can click with this real easily. Anybody here a Vikings fan? There's Bob and Lynette out of... <laughs> and the world says when we stand up and clap and shout and dance, we look weird. Nothing weird about that. A fan, enthusiastic admirers. Why would anybody get that excited? Because it makes them feel good. Why would anybody be a fan of Jesus? Because it makes them feel good. It's all about me. What can I get out of it? I don't care if you're a fan of a certain author. Why do you like that author? You like it. You like the way it makes you feel. You like the storyline. You like the way they write. If you're a sports fan, if you're a Vikings fan, man, you live and die on Sunday afternoons. Praise God, you're resurrected and you fight again the next Sunday. <laughs> We're like that. We're sports fans. There's too many sports fans that are, are fans of Jesus the same way. And what's a sport fan do? I know if I came and sat in some of your house because I know you. By halftime, that's going to be the stupidest coach you've ever seen. Can you believe that they left the quarterback in after he threw his third interception? you got to be a moron. I could do a better job of coaching that team. Fans. Some of you get in your car in the parking lot and go, boy, did Mike's message stink today. Music wasn't that good. I could preach better than that. And the kids, they were so doggone loud, I couldn't hear anything. Man, we are getting all this helpful criticism because we're all fans, and we want to make sure we get what we want. You know, if we're not careful, we could be a church full, a stadium full of fans. There are lots of stadiums that are being filled in the United States on Sunday mornings. 
Go to the next slide, please. And then Sunday mornings, it looks really good. It's filled. Thousands of worshipers. And I wonder how many of them are fans. When we gather together and worship on Sunday morning, man, it looks really good. How many of us are fans and not followers? Now, I understand that some of us are really, really good fans. Really big fans. I mean, we really like church. We really like worshiping and raising our hands and and clapping. and we, We really like the fellowship and visiting. And you know what? There is nothing wrong with any of that. But if that's all the relationship is about, we're missing the boat completely. That's not the focus. That's not the point. It's not how coming to church makes us feel. It's about what does it make the Lord feel like when we come to church and He looks at our heart. We can feel pretty good about ourselves and we can be really great admirers of Jesus and miss it completely. There's a lot of people who are admirers of this man named Jesus as they read the historical record, they read the Bible from a secular point of view and they go, yeah, this was a good man. Must have been a good man. I can really admire a man like that. I don't know if I agree with what he believed in and what he talked about, but he stood up for what he believed all the way to the cross. I was a good man. I'm an admirer of that man. That doesn't get you one foot into heaven, being an admirer of Jesus. Not in the least. To be honest with ourselves, what we need to do is answer three questions. And these just happen to be the three that we're going to look at. You can come up with more. But the first question is this, why are you here? What is your because? Now, I'm not talking about the ethereal way out there thing, why are we here? I can give you that answer if you want to know. Why are you here? Why are you on this earth? To bring glory and honor to God. That's why you're here. That's it. You don't need to go to a mountain in Tibet to find that out. But on a more personal level, why are you here? What's the reason? You know, Jesus at different times in his ministry, and we're going to look at some one in, in the Gospel of John in just a second, but in different times in his ministry, it was as if Jesus drew a line in the sand. And that line in the sand was to separate fans from followers. And when Jesus did it, he wasn't always even the most tactful. He was kind of, kind of clear, kind of blunt, actually, on what it is he wanted. We're going to look in chapter 6 and of Gospel of John. And now at this time, Jesus' ministry is relatively new. He'd been down in Jerusalem and he'd healed, healed that guy at the pool of Bethesda. Bethesda. He'd done other miracles. Uh, man, his popularity is soaring. The chart would be just going up, up, up. The crowds are getting bigger. And he's back up by the Sea of Galilee. And the crowds have gathered because Jesus is doing all these amazing miracles and his teaching's amazing. And he's, he's a, they're calling him a rabbi, a Jewish teacher. And, and man, you want to hang out with a good rabbi, even though this rabbi didn't have a home and he walked around everywhere. They wanted to hear him drawn big crowds. Matter of fact, the crowd was so big, one day he kind of went up on the mountainside and the people swarmed all over and there were still all these people. And Jesus said to one of the disciples, what are we going to feed him? 
The first disciple says, I have no idea. We don't have enough money to feed these people. And another disciple says, well, I saw this boy and he had five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, I'd like to think he was speaking by faith, but I think he was telling Jesus, get a clue. We don't have enough to feed him. Jesus said, great. And what did he do? He fed the 5,000, it says. And when they fed up, they picked up baskets full of leftovers. And then in John chapter 6, verse 2, it says this, A great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs Jesus performed on the sick. And then Jesus does this amazing miracle. And then Jesus, because he's now, you know, Jesus has this ability to know what people are thinking, right? He says, I am so popular right now, they're going to take me and make me king. And I didn't come here to become king. Not their kind of king. So he goes off into the mountains. Evening comes and the disciples get in the boats and they're going to go across the Sea of Galilee to the other side of the sea. Of the sea. And during the night, then Jesus goes for a walk on the, on the water. And most of you know the story where he walks on the water and eventually they get to the other side. The next morning, guess what? All the people are looking for, where's the rabbi? Where's Jesus, the teacher? And word must have spread that he was on the other side because it says they got in boats and they took off to the other side. I mean, you've got to be a follower to go to all that work, right? You're not just a fan. A fan would have said, well, it was fun while it lasted. No, no, that's not the case. Look what Jesus says in the next verse that you saw up there in, John, in, in verse 26. Jesus is speaking this and he says, I tell you the truth. You were looking for me, but not because you saw the miraculous signs, because you ate the loaves and had your stomachs filled. That sounds like a fan to me, not a follower. I mean, he's saying, you aren't even impressed by the miracles. You're just coming because you're hungry again. And I'll feed you to make you feel better. They were there for the show. They were there for the benefits. They were there for what Jesus could do for them. They were fans, pure and simple. Why are we here? Why are you here? What's your because? As I said earlier, it'd be fun to, well, maybe not, I'd probably be discouraged. (laughs) But it'd be fun to hear us when we talk about that. Is it just, oh, God, they got great chairs at that church. They got great music at that church. Um, They're really friendly at that church. They have fellowship dinners once a month, and you can eat all you want. It's better than Pizza Ranch. It's great. Coffee flows every time your door is open. It's awesome. You'll love this place. Uh, The teaching's even okay sometimes. They got a children's church. They got a nursery. It's great. Is that why we're here? Is that why you're here? Is that your because? Well, Jesus goes on after he makes that comment, and he goes into a teaching. And boy, this teaching was a tough teaching. It's about him being the bread of life. Now, before we're too hard on the people, try and put yourself in their situation you know, to understand this. He's telling them, I am the bread of life. He goes on, I'm the bread of life that has come down from heaven. Matter of fact, there is no way you can get to the Father God except through me. And then he says this, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, well, wait a minute. I mean, that'd be a forehead slapper, wouldn't it? 
eat your flesh and drink your blood. They, they missed the, that it's just a synonym for faith. Unless you believe in me, unless you believe in me, there is no way that you're going to know the Father. No way. I am the only way of eternal life. Wow, some of the people didn't understand. Some of the disciples didn't get it at all. Some of them, it says, they started grumbling amongst themselves. Whatever they were doing, John chapter 6, verse 66, we read really damning words. He says, From this time on, many of the disciples turned their back and no longer followed him. They went on a losing streak. And the fans decided to leave. They weren't getting what they want, so they decided to leave. What Jesus was offering them wasn't what they wanted. With hindsight, we go, you've got to be kidding me. He's offering them eternal life. They're sitting in the physical presence of the Son of God. And he's telling them that he is the way to the Father. Eternal life. And in their mind, they're going, I don't get it. That was stupid. This eat and drink blood and flesh stuff, I don't want that. Matter of fact, are you guys hungry? Let's go find something to eat. I guess he isn't going to feed us anymore. Fans. Fickle fans. And Jesus even asked the disciples, are you guys going to leave me too? And fortunately, Peter spoke up and said, where else would we go? That's a follower. Whatever it takes, that's where we'll go. Whatever we need to do. What's your because? Well, Jesus' because is the one that we need to pay attention to. What's Jesus' because? Jesus' because is simply this. He wants an intimate, deep relationship with you and me. That's what Jesus wants. Now, I know in a lot of our minds, that just sounds like words. We can't wrap our mind around it because this Jesus that we're talking about, we can't see him now. We can't touch him in a physical way. But if you believe the Bible, just think of this. This is Jesus, the Son of God, who died on a cross, was dead, rose again, ascended to heaven. According to John, he spoke And everything became. And he wants to have an intimate relationship with you and me. That's what he wants. Man, oh man. That's even better than Cindy saying yes. To me. It's even better than that. That's what he wants from you and me. So the first question is, what's your because? Why are you here? The second question is this. Are you all in? You know, it was early in our relationship, really early in the relationship, but when I asked Cindy if I was okay if I took this other girl to the Sadie Hawkins dance, I don't think she was all in. She said, go ahead. Jesus says, do you really follow me? Are you really a follower of mine? Do you really love me? Well, yeah, most of the time. Most of the time. I, 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 really, I really want to be a follower. You know, being a follower requires complete commitment. Now, before you think this is too hard to do, think about it in the natural relationship with your spouse, for example, or your children. I mean, honey, I'm all in. Well, most of the time. 
You're the light of my life. Well, until I see this other woman that you don't know about. But as long as you don't know about it, it doesn't hurt you any. We never think that way in the natural. Are we all in? Whatever it takes to follow Jesus, are we loyal? Are we committed? That word commitment is where we run into a big problem. Americans are very bad at doing commitment. Did you know that? You ever have anybody give you a commitment and they don't show, they don't do it, they don't, they don't call, they don't... I mean, that seems to be Americans. Marriage. What is marriage all about? Well, it's the prerequisite for divorce. <laughs> it seems like that's the best reason for it because that's what most people do. Let's get married. Over 50%. Let's get divorced. Why? No commitment. We don't do commitment well. We say things like, I'm a follower, but here's the deal, Jesus. I'm going to be your follower. I'm going to be, I'm not a fan. I am a follower. Here's the rules. Don't be talking about my money. I'll be your follower until you start talking about my money. Jesus says, not your money. Okay, that's it. I don't want to hear that. You know that lifestyle thing you got going? I think, don't be talking about my lifestyle. I'm just blowing off a little steam, Jesus. I'm your follower. I love you with my whole heart. Don't touch my lifestyle. There's nothing wrong with my lifestyle. Lust, adultery, little premarital sex. Don't be talking about that, Jesus. It's normal. You're the one that gave me hormones. And if you created them, can't help it the way I think. It's your fault. Don't be talking about that. What's this abstinence nonsense? Do you see how all of a sudden we start defining our relationship with the Lord according to our standards? What we want. Basically what we say is, I'll be a follower as long as it's only in the areas that I'm comfortable with letting you take care of. Now, think for a minute if your spouse, if you're married, or your best friend, or your children, or people you even, your boss at work, I mean, think if that's how they express their loyalty and commitment to you. You're the only woman for me that God ever created on this earth. Wow, did you see her? Check her out. I think I'm going to go talk to her. Wouldn't work very far, would it? It wouldn't work very well. It's kind of like we go on the computer and you get all these options. Well, when it comes to relationships with Jesus, we look for that selective commitment option. I'm committed. Let me select the areas. There is no selective commitment option with Jesus. Here's a phrase you might like. Customized Christianity. I love that phrase. I'm a Christian. I've just customized it a little bit. We customize everything, right? Why not our Christianity? The reality is a follower goes all in. A fan doesn't like the idea of going all in. I am pretty sure there's probably some of you so far saying, I hate this message. And not just because of the way it's presented, because of the content. I don't like it. Because a fan doesn't want to be committed. A fan doesn't want to sacrifice. A fan doesn't want to deny themselves. A fan is in it for what's in it for me. Jesus 
didn't call fans. He didn't go up to any of the disciples and say, Hey, come on, cheer for me. Hey, there's room. I need one more fan. Jump on board. What did he say? Follow me. And what did they do? The followers forsook all and followed him. If you're not here for the right reason, chances are you aren't willing to go all in. And that's scary. Are you willing to go all in? Why are you here? Third question, last question for today. Have you made the relationship your own? You know, there's some people here. The reason you came to church was because your wife said, we're going to church, dear. And you thought, well, it's easier to go to church and suffer for an hour and a half than it is to endure the next week of punishment from my wife. Or vice versa. Some of you are kids and your folks said you're going to church, get in the car. That's why you're here. That's how I started going to church. Shoot, they'd drop us off and make us go to church and they'd go home. What's fair in that? Some guys or girls come to church because, you know, we're supposed to meet a Christian guy or gal. Where else can we do it? Dating evangelism. (laughs) If it works, let's go for it. (laughs) Make sure you know why we're doing it. You know, a person who comes into a church like that, and maybe this is some of you, can you relate to this? You come into the church and first thing you go is, it's weird, it doesn't look like a church. Then the music starts and you go, that's really weird. Drums on the stage, guitars, congos or bongos, congos, congas. I've been rebuked so many times on that. Congas. And the music starts playing and you go, wow, that's loud. I had one guy during the community service sitting in the back row turned around and looked at me in the sound booth and says, it's loud. I go, really? What? Can't hear you. (laughs) But we come and it's a little weird, but all of a sudden, you know what? It's kind of friendly. Music's okay. You put earplugs in and you come again. The teaching's okay. It's, they seem to not mind the kids. Nobody's throwing us out. You know what? I can wear blue jeans and a t-shirt. And before long, you're sort of like, this is okay. Matter of fact, you're, all of a sudden, the Bible stories, they're kind of interesting. You know, it kind of embarrassed you at first when you heard that name, Jesus. But all of a sudden, you're uncomfortable now. You're comfortable when people say Jesus' name. And if you're not careful, every once in a while, it slips out of your mouth. And you're okay with that. And before long, you've kind of just settled in. But your faith isn't your own. You know what? That's a dangerous, dangerous place. Because we can deceive ourselves and deceive by the enemy to thinking that we're okay in our relationship with the Lord. When we really don't have a relationship with the Lord. We may have developed a relationship with some of the people. We've developed a relationship with the music and the chairs and the coffee and the fellowship and all that other stuff. But we think we're saved. We think we have it. We think we're in relationship and it's not our own. 
Jesus is not interested in any of that. He is interested in having a relationship with me and you. That's it. If you've not made your relationship your own, you know, you're not saved because your parents are. You're not saved because your wife or your husband is. You're not saved because you come to church every single Sunday and you put some money in the offering box. None of that makes you have a relationship with the Lord. It's having that intimate relationship with Him, realizing that we were sinners, needed a Savior, and He died in my place. And He was raised from the dead. And because He loved me that much, we sang those songs about love. Boy, as Brian said, if we could just understand that, as we get a little bit more of it and a little bit more of it, that's how much He loves us. All of a sudden we realize why I'm here. I love somebody who loves me that much. I'm all in. I don't do it perfectly. I still mess up. I still sin. But my heart is I want to do it right because I want to please Him. When the Holy Spirit convicts me, I say, oh, gee, I can't believe I did that. I said that or thought that. I repent and get right. It's not about being perfect. Followers are not perfect. It's not perfect. None of us are going to be perfect this side of heaven. But it's about our hearts. Are we all in? Is it my own? Are we here to have a relationship with Jesus? That's what he's looking for, a relationship with us. So I want to close today with just setting the stage for what we're doing. Is it not time to have the DTR talk? Define the relationship talk between you and the Lord. When you hear those questions, why are you here? What's your because? Are you all in and have you made it your own? In the next six weeks, search your hearts. You know, the more, we, the more I read and the more I look at this and study and look at the scriptures, oh, I can go one of two ways. I am a worthless piece of garbage, which is true. Or I can go the other way and say, wow, what a God. He loves me anyway and he saved me anyway. That's the way he wants us to go. In these videos, you're getting glimpses of the characters that you guys are going to be seeing in the, in the uh, life groups. The characters, the things that they're going to confront as they develop relationships. You will be so blessed and challenged as you go to these life groups. So I'd encourage you, if you haven't been in one, there's some sheets in the foyer on that small table, I believe they're red, that lists the life groups. If you've not been in one and you want to be in the one that Cindy and I will host, please sign up so we know approximately how many people might be in ours, whether we can host it in our house or here. Let's close in prayer. Lord, I pray that you take these teachings, bring them to life by your Holy Spirit, guard our hearts and minds from the enemy who would come to... to deceive us in any way. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. We're here because we want to understand and know you better. Teach us, Holy Spirit. We pray for the groups that we're meeting this week, each one. Bless their time together. 
And God, we pray that all of this, as we allow you to search our hearts, we discover that we truly are followers and not just fans. That you'd receive the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.